Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. James chapter 2, please just remain standing for a few more minutes. We've been preaching on a series called Greater Than. I got one more, the final installment of this series. How many has been enjoying this series about faith in this place? Amen? Amen. Yeah, I don't believe you got, got your Bibles. You can't clap on but I get it. I thank you for the feedback. This has been one of the most, uh, I got more feedback on this series just about on anything else. And so I know that God is really uh, speaking to us about this. Today, I want to put a capstone on it, and, and I want God to show us how to work. The, the, my greatest fear is to just give you information without seeing transformation. I know that rhymes and that's a cliche-ish, but that's my greatest fear is that you just come here and hear things, never apply it to your life. You will never see the power of God manifest in your life until you apply the word. You have to apply it. So that's what today is all about. We're going to apply it. Talked about pattern, talked about having hope, using your imagination, capacity, all these things. Today, we are going to learn to apply this faith. Be a little teaching for a minute. I'm going to give a quick teaching on James 2, tell some stories, and then we're going to pray. And then I want to see a shift in the miraculous. How many need a miracle in your life? It's going to happen, and it only will happen through faith. Now, we're going to hear from a guy who didn't believe in Jesus. It's Jesus' brother. He didn't believe in Jesus. How many know your greatest critics sometimes can come from your own household? You'd be bragging about how you can do this and you can do that. You look over and your brother's like, I've seen you on the ball court. I've seen you on the ball field. Or I've seen you like, so that's what Jesus was dealing with. His whole, the Bible says his brothers did not believe in him. All the way until Jesus rose from the dead. And then James began to be one of the most powerful preachers. And he was the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. That's what I love. God can take the greatest skeptic and make him the greatest man and woman of God. Some of the greatest people and the voices in the body of Christ were atheists. God is using them. So here we hear from once an atheist to an agnostic and now an apostle. That's pretty good. James chapter 2. Now, spoiler alert, James pulls no punches. He's going to hit you right with him. I mean, he's just straight up. So you ready for that? 14, what does it profit, my brethren, chapter 2, verse 14, if someone says that he has faith, but he does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them anything needed for the body, what profit is it? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God? How many here believe in God? He says, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble at his name. But you do not, then he says, but do you really want to know, oh foolish man? He's, he's saying, do you really want to know the truth? Do you really want to know what I'm going to tell you? If you really want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead. 
Workless faith is worthless faith. Faith. Workless faith is worthless faith. Faith. But then he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is not justified by works, but uh, justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messenger, messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. I want to talk about faith that works today. Faith that works today. Tell three people before you're seated, I don't know about you, but I want your faith to work. I want my faith to work. Come on. And you can be seated. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to work. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to work. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to work. I want when I pray, I want to have results happen. How many would say amen? When I pray, I want to see things happen. That's what God is into. God is not into, wait, God is not a wasteful God. He never wastes anything. And so I'm going to give you some practical tips here in James chapter 2 about faith, some insights uh, that you need to know about faith, and we're going to get right into this today. Number one, faith is practical. You need to know that. Tell someone faith is practical. Faith is practical. It is not just spiritual. Everybody thinks that when you become a Christian, you got to turn into this spiritual person. Faith is spiritual, but it is also practical. In fact, the more spiritual I become, the more practical I become. James says here, he says, if you got faith and you see someone who needs food or clothing, and if you can help them, then help them. Practical. Everyone say practical. It, it is not about being spiritual all the time. It's about being, some, some of us need to learn to be a little bit more practical. Jesus was practical. He would eat with sinners. He would sit down with prostitutes and those that didn't even believe in him, and he would have lunch with them. He would do the practical thing with him, with them. When our faith, which is private, becomes practical, it becomes powerful. Let me say that again. When our faith, which is private, becomes practical, it becomes powerful. When I became a Christian, what was so frustrating and hard for me is to learn how to live for God on Monday like I praised him on Sunday. I'm trying to help somebody today. That's where we get lost. We get lost in the practicalities of Christianity. Paul said it this way in, in Corinthians. He says, I fear that Satan himself, which transforms himself into an angel of light, will deceive you through the simplicity that is in Christ. In other words, there's a practical side of being a Christian that if you don't learn to operate in, you will not be a successful Christian. Yeah. It's not about always having the right Christian song to sing on Monday. You come to my house and we're not all floating around in clouds and praying in the Holy Ghost and Pastor Steve's in the kitchen saying, let's all stand in Jesus' name. And, and, and Melinda comes out of the back bedroom, this is how we overcome and, 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 and little Ella, I'm casting a demon out of that door for real though. 
You come to my house and you're going to see that we eat food. You're going to see some toothpaste stains in the sink sometimes. And you're going to see that sometimes people use toilet paper. Don't put a new roll back on. Come on, somebody. Which really is a pet peeve of mine. Come on, somebody. And the toilet paper should roll from the inside and not the outside. I'm just saying. I done split the church at 11, five minutes into my message. You got to learn to just be practical. Let me tell you something. I had to learn how to serve Jesus at 25 years old. I had to learn how to be a football fan and still honor God in my celebration. How do you celebrate God and how do you celebrate your 21st birthday but be a Christian? How do you do on your, what do you do on your bachelor party and you're trying to honor God? If you don't learn how to do the practical, you're going to be, turn your faith into something that's not powerful, but pathetic. I'm trying so much to give these little things that we can remember cliches. I got to move on. This is just one little simple nugget I wanted to throw out there and move on. But this is so, so, so good. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Was that powerful? Was that, was that powerful? That was spiritual. He raised a man that was dead for four days. He said, Lazarus called his name. And the man stood up and he came out of that uh, tomb. The people were just blown away. He's been dead for four days. The Jewish people believe that it's possible to bring someone back to dead after three days because their spirit leaves the body and roams Jerusalem. It was, they had a lot of superstitions in their day. That's why Jesus purposely waited for day four. Sometimes God will purposely wait until your situation is so unfixable and so unmanageable and so messed up that it has to be only God that can heal you and bring you through. You know why? Because only God can get the glory when he does it like that. So if you're headed in a situation and the harder you pray, the worse it gets, then don't be sad, but rejoice because God's getting ready to do something that only he can do. But when Lazarus came out of the tomb, look what he said. Jesus looked at the man and he said, now he came out and he had grave clothes on and everyone was looking at him going, oh my gosh, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said this, Jesus said, now take the grave clothes off of him. Why did he say that? He could have just said, miraculously, grave clothes come off, you know, or something, and, and it's spun off. That was when you get saved and God makes you born again and you are resurrected into a new life, you've got to learn how to take your old grave clothes off. You've got to learn to start doing some little practical things that will help you ex- let your faith move from just what I do on Sundays to how I live on Friday night. Saturday night, I'm trying to help us today. Someone say, faith ain't spiritual, but it's practical. Jesus was practical. He ate with sinners. He, would, he raised a little girl that was sick. She was dead. She also was dead. And the, she came into the, Jesus came to the room and they were all crying and weeping. And Jesus put all of them out of the room. Sometimes you got to get some people out of your room if you want to see God do a resurrection in your life. Do you hear me today? They were all weeping. They were all crying. They were all, man, this ain't going to happen. Jesus walked in. He saw the vibe in the room and he said, hey, I got to change the atmosphere. So what's got to change the atmosphere? I got to get rid of some of these people that ain't going in the same direction I'm going because I want to do something great. And these people, So he moved them all out of the room and he came in, he shut the door and he prayed over that little girl. Wouldn't you have loved to have been on the other side of that door? I don't know about you, but I've been looking in the keyhole, man. What is he saying? Mama and daddy, I believe are right next to that door as they heard Jesus all by himself in there with this little 12 year old girl. He walked over to her and he said these words, which is a Hebrew word for a little girl, rise up and walk. And I believe they heard little feet shuffling across the floor. 
And other than, daddy probably said, that ain't Jesus. I know he's bigger than that. And mama said, no, that ain't Jesus. That's a little baby. That's our little baby girl. Daddy said, that's right. That's my little baby girl that used to come run every Saturday morning into my lap. That's her, honey. And their morning turned into rejoicing in just a matter of minutes because God raised that little baby back to life. Isn't that powerful? That's spiritual, right? The next verse, Jesus brings her out and says, now you give her something to eat. Practical. I'm going to do a miracle in your life, and I'm going to bring you into this thing called the church life, the Christian community. I'm going to make you born again, but you got to learn how to feed yourself. You got to learn how to get in that word. You got to learn how to worship. You got to learn how to do the practical thing and begin to go after God. That's faith. When you learn how to operate in practical, learn how to live for God on Monday, learn how to have fun without the use of substance. That was huge for me. These are, these are practical things that you and I've got. Paul told the young man, Timothy, learn how to be godly. You remember how you learned how to be ungodly? Some of you were born naturals. We all were in the flesh, but someone had to teach us how to do those things. Paul comes along and he says, you got to do the same thing. So I want you to know today that faith, all this month long talking about faith, faith, that it's not reserved for a river of life on Sunday morning, 9.30, 11.30, or whatever service you come to. Faith needs to be demonstrated even on the ball field when we win or lose, guys. Is Nick here? Amen. You're welcome, Nick. Amen. You're welcome, Reese. Any of our coaches here went out and seen our softball team playing? Look, at half our church was out there. Had both teams and, and the family out there. Let me just say this. When both teams do play each other, I do want to invite the whole church to come out. That's going to be an awesome, awesome time together. I don't know about you, but I do better when I'm encouraged. But it's in all realms of life. Someone say faith is practical. This this is not my message. i got to move on. That's just a little introduction there. Is that helping somebody today? Faith is practical. Then he moves on and he says this. Faith is not partial. He teaches that faith is not partial. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, he mentions Abraham in this text about having faith. Abraham is a great man of faith, he says. But, you know, and he's the forefather uh, of faith. He was the man that believed God and was accounted to him for Abraham. I mean, I heard of Abraham. He's the father of faith. But did you notice in the very next verse, he says, and Rahab the harlot. He mentions Rahab the harlot, a prostitute in the same paragraph as one of the most holiest and spiritual and greatest church guy you've ever met. Why? Because faith is not partial. God wants to save anybody and everybody. What God has done for Pastor Eddie, what God has done for my dad, what God is doing in Donovan, on and on. Now, he wants to do that for every single person. I love what Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for who? Everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed. It's the power. The gospel is for every, If the gospel don't work for everybody, then the gospel don't work. The gospel has to work for everybody. So your gospel has got to be able to be, you got, here's practical. You should be able to take what you believe and tell it to your coworker. That's a goal that you need to get. I used to drive to work rehearsing that conversation. I used to rehearse lyrics to NWA all the way to work. I used to, re or whatever song, or whatever song you may have in your mind. When I got to say that I was 25 years old, that was where I came out of. But, 
But on the way, I started, listen, when I begin to be a Christian, I begin to now rehearse scripture on the way to work. I begin to rehearse conversation. What would I say when the guys start talking this morning about their weekend? And I used to always be the guy that had the story of the weekend. In fact, they would wait for me to come. To, Here come Eddie. You got to wait. What did you do this weekend, Ed? This dude is crazy, man. And I, would be, I wouldn't disappoint. Let me just say, I was always, uh, police came and helicopters and, uh, and everything else, man. And, and we were, and I used to brag on that. Boy, everybody was like, oh, man, you crazy. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love what Paul says. When you truly have a conversion, you now become ashamed of the things you used to brag about. I ain't getting no help at 1130. And so instead of for me to walk around being ashamed and being, you know, sad and feel sorry for myself, I had to learn how to overcome evil with good. So I would rehearse and think about what I'm going to say when I get there. And there were some days I'm going to be real with you. I wouldn't go to the coffee pots and no one else was there because I just wasn't feeling it. But during those times, God was, was stretching my faith. And I remember getting to the point when I was able to walk in there, man, and just talk about how an awesome time we had at church or what we did in that weekend, or we were able to go on a missions trip to Honduras, man. I boarded a plane and went to Central America, man. We hung out for a week, 10 days, going to orphanages and going to schools, or, or it was just a vacation, man. What happened? I had to learn how to replace some of the old habits with some godly habits, man, yes. trying to help us today. And man, sure, next thing you know, people begin to say, hey, man, you know what? I got an uncle that's been going to church and the same thing's happened to him, man. Can you pray for me? And I should say the same thing happened to me can happen to you. I pray for them. I've prayed for people in the back of Kroger stores. I've prayed for managers because I learned something. That there are people out there, no matter how cool they think they got it going or how successful they are, deep down, they want something. They're sick and tired and being sick and tired. They're tired of this old messed up world. So they may look like they're all this on Instagram, but I tell you what, when they're at home, it's a totally different story. And what will change them is when people like us start getting in our mind what real faith is supposed to be. And faith needs to be practical. And that faith is not partial. So it's for anybody and for, and for whosoever will. Call on the name of the Lord. God, I'm going to save you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you a new person. Isn't that good preaching? That's good stuff, man. I love it. Hallelujah. Now, faith also has to be practiced. Faith has, this last one, faith has to be practiced. He begins to talk about having devil level faith. Look at that. If you believe in God, how many believe in God? If you're listening on this podcast, raise your hand unless you're driving a motorcycle. <laughs> if you're listening to a motorcycle on my podcast, well, you can. Anyway, everybody believes in God. James says if you believe in God, that's good. But he, don't be too impressed with it because even the devil believes. Even the devil believes. In other words, like this, de the devil believes in God but still continues to practice evil. He believes in God. Isn't that what he's saying? He believes in God. He understands the Bible better than anybody here. But his faith is not translated, and he's still practicing evil. So it doesn't matter what your belief is. It matters what your behavior is. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm trying to help somebody today. I'm trying to help us today at 1130. I'm trying to help us here. Because I want you to go from devil-level faith to mountain-moving faith. 
That's why you hear me today. Mountain moving faith. I, I want to be used by God. I want to. I thank you for all the compliments of what God's. I'm being an ordained minister. Well, God is opening up. I'm telling you, He is calling our church, me and the church. He's raising us up. Arise and shine. That's been my scripture for a while. Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. This is what God is calling us to do. In order for us to arise and shine, we got to get out of the mud. we got to get out of the dirt. Come on, somebody. we got to rise up. That devil, that faith needs to be more than what just believing in God. He's wanting it to translate. He's got to penetrate into our heart. Uh, Alyssa, you know this. He's got to penetrate into your heart. I remember first time seeing Alyssa coming to our youth group, 16-year-old girl. Attitude from head to toe came in there. And I said, oh, my mother said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this girl? But she came in and she let God get into her heart and, and changed her life. And man, God has done such a miracle. I go through the whole church like that. God wants that to happen to every single person in this building. He wants us, but we got to practice our faith. If you don't practice your faith, I'll say it like this. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. What do I mean? If you don't learn to develop patterns of godliness, if you don't learn to put your faith to work, James says, is that going to save you? And in case you're impressed because you believe, the devils also believe. So he's emphasizing our behavior over our beliefs. You got to get this. It's got to go deeper than just our highlighting and amen and church attendance. It's got to get in deep to your heart. So you get to the place where what really separates you from the devil, the devils fear God, but the devils don't love God. He wants to get you to the place where you said, Pastor Eddie, man, you know what? I hear what you're saying. God, I'm going to live for you because I love you, because you have changed my life, because you are giving me a heaven, heaven when I die. You are blessing my family. No matter how rotten this life can be, I got a better, I got someone to walk with me through it. And that love of God begins to help you live this life. How he's with me? Now he says this, amen, let's, got a problem with media, Amen. Got a problem with our screen. I want to turn your attention to verse 17 and 18, and then we're going to pray here in just a minute. He says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But watch this, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Then he says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Which means this, you need to write this down, faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. I'm trying to help us uh, make a distinction between true faith and just this church America faith. Years ago, many years ago, there was a missionaries that went to Japan up in the villages in Japan, and they were serving rice uh, to the poor villages and they would preach the gospel. And they thought it was so wonderful at the beginning because so many were coming to get the food and they were saying the prayer. And then once they said the prayer, they would go home. So these evangelists and this mission team was going, man, we got many, many people that are just getting saved. But what happened was after a while, they began to realize that there was no change happening in the villages. And so the church that was there began to term this phrase and call them rice Christians. What they meant was they weren't really come to being transformed. They were just coming to get the free food and rice. Can I tell you today that God doesn't want rice Christians in America? He's not wanting rice. I don't want rice Christians at River Life. God is wanting the real deal, the true Christians. And in order for that to happen, it's got to be seen. And God, we got to give something to God that he can work with so faith can be seen. 
In Mark chapter 2, you'll read a story where these people brought their friend to Jesus, and they wanted Jesus to pray for them, uh, but there was no room in the, in the building, so they had to rip the roof up. Remember that story? And they lowered Jesus, this man down to Jesus. And notice what it said in chapter 2 of Mark. It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't say anything. He said when he saw their faith, can be seen. People should see a difference in our life. Now let's shift over into the miraculous because I want to get off of that. That's discipleship kind of preaching. And I want to get into those that are here and are disciples of Christ. You need to see the miracles happening in your life. This is the same principle works in seeing miracles happen. You got to give God something that he can see. My wife and I remember when we first got saved, I've said this before, we've had a, many issues in our life, broke, busted, and disgusted. We just did. We had a lot of bills. I had, had to pay money to get to the legal system. We were messed up. I had this old Buick Skylark, had the digital uh, steering uh, dashboard, which I thought was so cool. That was the only thing cool on this car. It leaked oil. It had no shocks. When I drove down the street, it looked like I had hydraulics in the car, for real. I got going over 50. It would start doing that, literally. I look over to them young dudes. I was like, hey. They thought... <laughs> They thought I had hydraulics. I had no shocks, you know. I had to just, you know, play it off. It was, it was messed up, man. And I remember we were going to church, and family was going to church. We'd get out of the church, and we had our little uh, church clothes on, Salvation Army stuff. I had my one suit. I wore to court and weddings and every good. I had my one suit. And I uh, wanted to dress up. That's all I had. I wore it every single week. But I, I wanted God to do something. I remember parking that car past these beautiful rides, man, and, and parking way in the back and going in and, and, and learning to give and learning to worship and learn to still come to church. That was a process. Someone say process. Have you learned there's a process to develop a pattern so God can stretch our capacity? You see how this all goes together? And I remember coming home one time, and Melinda said, I went to go pull that little Buick oil leaking sky, Skylark into the driveway. She said, don't park in the driveway. I said, why? She said, because I've been praying. And God said, don't park your car in the driveway no more. Save that for your new car I'm going to bless you with. Come on, don't get jealous. He's the same God. Now, I said, ooh, I can't like Escalade. I've always liked the Escalades. I've always liked the uh, SUVs. And Melinda said, watch your faith now. Come on now. <laughs> Prophesy according to your faith. You ever read that scripture? And I was like, okay, this was her thing. I said, this is the dumbest thing ever. You mean in the winter? You're going to make me walk all the way up? What are we going to driveway for? I mean, when God, when God is doing something in your life, other people just won't understand. And sometimes you got to learn to keep what God is doing in your life to yourself. But in this situation, Melinda was telling me, so I began to park that car in the middle uh, of the street, or not in the middle of the street. I really would have lost my car. <laughs> And I'm walking up, and we left that there, and she's praying. God told her to do that. And it was just a couple of months later, I guess what I parked, a brand, not a brand new, but it was new to us, a nice Ford Explorer, Eddie Bauer, leather seats, fully loaded. Come on, don't get jealous. <laughs> guess what? The, I remember I was so excited because the door shut. 
I've had cars. The doors, well, you had only one. I came out of Taco Bell one time with a station wagon that I got, and this big baby man, we had, I had a full wood grain panel side station wagon. I took Melinda up to Taco Bell for a date, and I remember driving it. We was leaving Taco Bell, and I pulled, got in that uh, Dick's, man, and that driveway was so big, the back door came open like this. My tie rod broke, and I went like this. That back door come open. That guy next to me was like, I slammed on the brake to make the back door shut. Boom. I pulled right off. I could tell stories all day, all day. But when we begin to activate our faith, when we quit saying, okay, now I understand, and I'm not saying blab it and grab it. I'm not saying go to the car dealership and lay your hand on an Escalade, because it don't work. <laughs> but real faith goes from believing to knowing. And I'm trying to get you to see that when you want to see God operate in the miraculous, you got to go from believing to knowing. You got to, no, 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 Melinda knew this was something God told her to do. So we began to do that. And then when that car got, I got in that car, looked over, I said, baby, I ain't never going to doubt you again. And we drove to church and I even parked up front. Come on, somebody. You see what I'm saying? What would have happened if she would have just kept that to her heart and would have not parked? I'm telling you, I don't think God would have moved. Faith has got to be seen when Jesus saw their faith. I could go Jericho, Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho. You know how ridiculous they look going around those walls? But they walked around those walls because they wanted the enemy to see something. The enemy's looking at your life and he's going, okay, you're going to church now. He's not real impressed. He's impressed when he starts to see you become the church. He's not impressed with you going to church. He's impressed by you becoming the church. Because it's easier to dress like a Christian than to live like one. And so if you really want to shake the gates of hell, it ain't just shouting amen, it's living the word. I'm trying to help us today. You want to see that power? You want to see that mountain move? Oh, God, God, God ain't answering my prayer. I've been praying for this. I'm, because you're not doing and getting a hold of what James is coming along. James is saying, hey, you want to waste your time and going to church? Then go ahead. And if you really want to see your faith activated, you got to put some work on it. you got to put your faith to work. you got to get some action going. Joshua said, walk around this building for what? God said, just do it. And Joshua walked around story after story, I could tell you. So faith can be seen. Everybody say, faith can be seen. seen. And this other thing, and then we're going to start to close. Don't get excited. I don't have a clock up there no more, guys. So I'm just going to preach when I start seeing you dozing off. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Faith can be seen. It's important. Because some of you praying for something. I'm just praying for something consistently right now in your life. Now, I want you to, now, could God see what you're praying for? Ask yourself that. What are you doing that God can see? What are you making room for? What are you doing? What, are you, what kind of action are you doing? You hear me? Get a God said. Get a God said. It's not in the blabbing and grammar. You got to get it. Before Peter got out of the boat, he said, Lord, is that you? And then once... Jesus said, yeah, it's me. Then he got out of the boat. He had action. Faith's got to demonstrate. You've got to have a demonstration. Then secondly, faith can be heard. And this is what I want. This is a scripture I want to show you that will, this changed my prayer life forever. There's this one scripture I'm getting ready to show you. Are you ready? Ooh. I don't know. They're trying to get it up there. Write it down because we don't have it up on the screen. But I'm going to read it to you because it's that good. 
It's in Galatians. <clears throat> Galatians 3, 5. I want you to listen. Go back and read it later, but listen now. Here it is. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you, Paul is writing to a church that was confused on what it means to be a Christian. There's a lot of that. And so he's trying to tell them something, a powerful principle here. He says, therefore, he that's God who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hear that. It, it, it didn't say by praying loud, not by praying in King James. Not by praying and, and crying. Not by being broken. All of those are important and all those are very sincere and God looks and listens to them. But he only responds when he hears, look at that scripture, the hearing of faith. Faith's got to be in that prayer. Faith's got to be in that worship. I'm praising God at home, Pastor Eddie, nothing's happening. Do you got faith in your worship? I can, I can listen to preaching, and if it doesn't have no faith and no spirit in it, I'm going to sleep or I'm turning it. But what makes so God, it's so powerful, the preaching of the word is when faith is in it, when the word is in it. I was preaching in Honduras. We were up in the village called Florida. Took the bus ride of my life to get up there. My gosh. We went up there. You don't even want to hear us another whole story. We had, this is, anyway, I'm outside, ain't slept in two days. I got dust from head to toe. I'm out there. These people in these villages are coming out. These bugs, they fly in the air, and they're like this big. It's like these flying, praying mantis. I mean, you can hear, and I'm sitting there praying. I'm sitting there preaching, and these, I'm going, whoa, and they're laughing. <laughs> Look at that gringo. And I'm up there laughing. Dogs just walking around and, and, and just doing their business. I'm telling you, this is, you ain't did ministry till you did mission trip ministry. Watch this. I'm up there preaching, and I'm preaching about the lame man. Preaching in Acts, there was a lame man that was crippled, and Peter and John was walking to the temple, and Peter and John looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to thee. And in the name of Jesus, he grabbed the crippled man by his hand and stood him on his feet, and the man was healed instantly by a miracle of God. Right there, look at that. He demonstrated his faith. Because fear looks, but faith acts. Fear looks, faith acts. Why aren't I living for God? How come I'm not doing this stuff? Because of fear. Getting back to the practicals. You got to learn how to keep scrolling past that. When you see that little video and that little lady ain't dressed pretty good, she's Victoria showing all her secrets. You better do something very spiritual. Keep scrolling. Look at that. See how practical? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I forgot about mentioning that. Job said it this way. I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a young woman. He said, young woman, ain't nothing wrong with, oh, I ain't mean to be offensive to older women, but young, that's just what he said. <laughs> Job made a, I'm going to edit that out of the podcast probably, yeah. He's, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes, I will not look upon a young woman. God, deliver me from this spirit of lust. I already have. Do the practical thing. Quit watching that all night long. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I guess that was free. Let's get back to the good stuff. I'm preaching, Alyssa. Were you there in Honduras? You were there, flagging bugs down. Amber, were you there? We were there. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I hear crying. This mama and grandma crying, saying something in Spanish. 
which today is Cinco de Mayo. I almost had Felicia do my whole PowerPoint in Spanish because <laughs> anyway, and she's crying and there's like a commotion. He got all these people there and Julio was our translator. Love Julio. Julio lived here in America for a while. He came to our church for a while. And I said, what's going on over brother? He said, come, come. I'm preaching. No prayer has been offered. No one has laid hands on nobody. I go over there and there's this little girl about nine or 10 years old and she's crying. Her mama's crying. And, and I found out it's her grandmother crying. And I'm saying, what happened? And through the translator, they said, God opened her eyes. She was blind. During the preaching of the word with mosquitoes and bugs that can carry away a little pet dog's walking in. I'm hot. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't even know what I'm saying. But faith was in the message. Faith was in the message. Faith was in the message. Faith was in. That little girl heard what I was saying, and she heard about that little crippled boy being by the gate, and something on the inside of her said, God, if you love that little crippled man, you love me just as much, and if you made him walk, I want you to open up my eyes. Come on, people. You believe God can do that? I saw it. I was there. I didn't read it. It wasn't, I was there. They were crying. We all were crying. That little girl was able to see. Faith was in there. That movie Breakthrough that everybody went and saw and cried like a baby. True story. What happened? Doctors gave up. Little boy fell through the ice. But mama come into the emergency room. Let me say it like this. Faith came in the emergency room. Grabbed a hold of that little boy. And true story. I remember when it happened. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez was telling the whole church, brought the whole family up. The whole family's been been on news stations, the doctor, because you had an atheist firefighter. I think they showed that in the movie. He was an atheist, and he's the one that found her. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I love God. Look at God. He's going to find the dude that didn't believe in him at all to, be, to do one of the greatest miracles in the 21st century. That's just like God. And the doctors and everybody saw it, and the mama grabbed the little boy and said, Holy Spirit. Was she broken? Yes. Was she crying? Yes. Was she weeping? Yes. Did she have faith? Yes. That's the matter. That's the difference. I've prayed with tears, but it don't move God. I've prayed loud, but it don't move God. Hannah prayed with a whisper. It moved God. Why? Because she had faith. We get it so wrong, especially in the Pentecostal church. You got to have oil and spin around and do this. That's what I do love praying in the Holy Spirit for because the Spirit goes, okay, sit down, flesh. I got this. You up there trying to be all spiritual, what you saw T.D. Jakes do or what Jensen Franklin do or whatever John Brevere or, or Stephen Furtick did, whatever. Sit down. Let me stand up. I got this because I got faith. He takes over and he'll begin to pray. We saw that. A couple more stories. Give me a couple more minutes. He's in an emergency room a couple, just a couple years ago, and this lady's blood pressure was all the way down to single digits. She was dying. Family, the doctor came and got the family. I was with the family, so we all went in there going to say goodbye. I looked at her husband. I said, Paul, what do you want to happen? He said, I'd like for God to keep her here for a little bit longer, if that's okay. He said, we're going to celebrate our anniversary. I said, well, then well, we're going to pray that way. I begin to pray. Doctors are in there, nurses are in there. Melinda begins to lay hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Doctor just stepped out when we come in there. Sometimes that happens. We begin to pray and sitting there on that bed, she weighed maybe 80 pounds. It was a very sad uh, atmosphere. But as we begin to pray, she's praying in the Holy Spirit, that atmosphere began to shift. 
the nurse, the nurse's assistant, she had a mask on. She, you can see, I see her breath. I know she was praying. She pulled that down. She began to pray in the Holy Spirit. We were praying. We began to have church. The atmosphere began to change. Paul, he's crying, sitting there going, oh my, what's happening? We're sitting there. She didn't make a move. She didn't move a muscle. We're praying. We don't know what, but in the spirit, God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. You, just because you can't see something don't mean God ain't moving. We begin to pray in Jesus' name. That was it. All of a sudden, the numbers poof, begin to go back up just like that. Her blood pressure began to go back up. Everything just began, the whole atmosphere began to, the doctor came back in with his clipboard and goes, whoa, what happened? And the nurse said, they start praying. And it all changed. What happened? Jesus stepped in the room. Why did Jesus step in the room? Because he heard faith. Let me give you this one illustration, then I'll close number two. It says, he who supplies, you got to get this. This first changed my, the way I pray. Everybody say supply. The word supply there in the Greek Paul is using means to have enough for what is needed. So Paul is painting a picture and says, God has enough for whatever it is you need. I asked you a few minutes ago, how many of you have a miracle in your life? You lifted your hand. I want you to, this scripture says, God's got you covered. He's got what you need, but it's in heaven. It's in the spirit. You got me? How do you get it? He says, when he hears faith. Years ago in the 90s, I worked as a, uh, on, with the Coast Guard and at the marina with a scuba, my boss was a commercial diver. I was a deckhand. I was on, responsible for feeding the, the lines of oxygen down to him when he's underwater and the equipment that he used. That was a very uh, dangerous job and her life was in my hands. I, I, I loved that job. Later, I became a scuba diver and ended up loving it. And Man, you make a lot of money doing that too. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. But when I was a deckhand, I had one job, and it was to watch the lines. You're in the back of the boat, you're on Lake Erie, don't matter where you are, and you got lines tugging. If you give them too much of your line, you can actually cause a problem. How many know if God gives us what we need before we were able to handle it, he can destroy us? So we had a signal. And Jeff said, when I need it, I'll give you two hard yanks. And when them two hard yanks come, then I, you need to feed me with more line. And as I was reading this, God began to bring that back to my attention. And he's saying like this, God is standing in heaven with everything that we need, our healing, our deliverance, our new life. Everything is a supply. He has a supply. But what he's waiting on is for us to give him the right tug. He's waiting. He's waiting. I had to sit there and go, wait on this is just the waves. He's sitting up there in heaven going, nope, I hear the prayer. It's a lot of prayer, but it's a lot of chatter. It's a lot of religious chatter. They're praying out of anger. They're praying out of fear. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them tugs. I'm, I'm waiting for that. The Holy Spirit's going, come on. I got what they need. I can make a breakthrough happen. Come on. God's saying, we ain't moving until I get the tug. I'm not moving heaven until I get the tug. Paul says, what gets the tug is when he hears faith. When he hears somebody, a mama, a daddy, a a husband, a wife, a student, someone stand up and say, God, I may not be the loudest, I might not be the most charismatic, but I got faith. God says, that's what I've been waiting on, people, and he gives us the supply. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand on our feet. And he gives us the supply. You hear that today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he hears faith, when he hears faith, when he hears faith in our prayers, when he hears faith in your worship, when he hears faith in the preaching, everything you do, when you do it because of your faith, God honors it. I quit my habits, the drinking and all of that. 
I know people got all different beliefs on drinking. I know this. I've never met one person that said their life has improved so much from drinking. <laughs> never met one person. But I've met thousands, including mine, where it almost destroyed me. So the Bible says, don't be full of that, but be full of the Holy Spirit, which leads to life. So I go with God on that. You take that up with you and God. But I know this, that when we pray a prayer of faith, God hears that faith. And he says, that's what I've been waiting on. And he gives you your supply. Come on, what do you have in your life right now that you need a supply? Why don't you close your eyes and we'll focus your, your faith on it right now. Just focus your faith on it right now. Come on, no distractions. I've been praying, preaching all month long for this right here. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing another song. We're going to worship. We're going to sing another song. And if you're needing the breakthrough in your faith, you're needing this happening, a, a miracle in your life, I want you to come and fill this front up, but come with your faith. Come believing. Come believing. Come believing. Come believing. Come with your faith. If you need, you need more of God, this me- you want to respond to this message, I want us to end with us praying. I need you to come and stand in these altars. Come out of your seat. You might let somebody out. Let them up. We're going to end it like this. Fill this altar room right here. Altar workers, I want you to just come and, and just stand behind them. But come on, you need God to move. Stand in this place. Look, just face this way. Close your eyes. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, God is going to do something. I want God to do something in your faith right now. A shift is going to happen. You're going to quit praying just prayers that's bouncing off the walls. You need faith in your prayers. You need faith in your prayers. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And as we worship, I want you to begin to pray. I'm not going to pray with you. This is you and God. I want you to activate your faith right now. Come on, 1130. You use your faith. You activate your faith. Come on. We're going to change this atmosphere right now in Jesus' name. I want you to lift your voice if it's just you, just like you're in that emergency room. And mama came in there. Somebody came in there. That's that same faith. I want to see healings are going to happen. Breakthroughs are going to happen right now. Come on. Come on. As we worship, I want you to begin to pray. Pray in Jesus' name. When you feel that faith, begin to pray. When you feel that faith, begin to pray. Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.